Welcome back to Happiness A Skeptic's Guide with self-confessed self-help abuser Paul Flower and me, psychologist and coach Gary Wood. On we go, sifting the science from the snake oil to find the things that just might make us all happier. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Happiness A Skeptic's Guide. Whilst talking about happiness, I suppose we also have to focus a little bit on unhappiness. And part of the reason behind this podcast is that we we are aware of the growth of reported uh, mental health issues. And because I think partly this is because we have a kind of greater understanding and a, a language to describe them. And because I can hold two conflicting uh, thoughts in my head at the same time, I think this is good. It's good that we're having a conversation and we're good. it's good that we're expanding the knowledge of mental health. But I'm also slightly worried that we might be trivialising it a little bit, in, the, in not us personally, but society as a whole, in that we are giving psychological descriptions for conditions which may not be at that level. And when I think of this, I think of uh, when Stephen Fry said and reported a couple of years ago that that he was bipolar and for a brief period of time everybody seemed to be saying that they were bipolar and they couldn't all be bipolar you know that some may have depression like you know I would consider myself to have you know occasional depression but I would never say that I was I was bipolar you know I used to think that I was manic depressive and then I realized I didn't have the the highs to be manic so uh, <laughs> you know it was just standard depression where I was coming from but the more time we have to think about this kind of thing the more negative thought we we may actually have and all of us have I think have mental health issues of one kind or another that's why we're here and we're defined by how we deal with them and my big question um, when we're coming into this from a point of view of, of talking therapies is when do you know that you need help it's a really good point and I wish you'd have asked a different question. Uh, right. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. I, first of all, I want to pick up on something that you said, which I thought was really good. It was about the trivialising and about the whole uh, celebrity declaration. But one person's trivialising might be another person's awareness raising. It can be a conversation starter. Now, that's not to say we aren't dealing with an imperfect system. Uh, there's loads of research done on diagnostic biases. So, for instance, over here, we might be calling people manic depressive. In the States, it might be a slightly different label. And often things like schizophrenia and bipolar, and there's not a consistency always in how they are, how people are labelled. And there are also class biases, there are race biases, there are gender biases. And if you look, the diagnostic system it's a framework but it's, it can be imprecise but then again language can be imprecise so we might use the phrase one person might say i'm hacked off today and the other might say i'm depressed today so i think the diagnostic thing the biases there are a function of how we use language and our tendency to use uh, cognitive shortcuts and labels yeah, so it's a question, you know, they're all subjective, aren't they, to a, to a degree? Yeah. So talking therapies, I, I was reading that 1.69 million people had been referred to the NHS talking therapies in the period April 19 to March 2020. Wow. And that's a massive amount. I mean, and it's great that there's so much help out there. But, you know, is that too many? You know, 
Well, the, the question is, what is the alternative? And the alternative is often to give somebody a, a tablet. And yes, drugs can help in the short term. But we, in previous podcasts, we've talked about the idea of emotion-focused coping and controlled-focused coping. So a, a drug can certainly level things out so we can process better. But does it deal with the root causes? And one way in which therapy has a benefit is that it in some way it tries to look at different strategies. Which I think is always going to be more helpful. You know, back in the day when I did seek some help on this subject, and and it was a very, very long time ago, you know, there wasn't as much help available at that particular time. And the, the pharmacological route seemed like the one that they were going to take, and I hated it. So, you know, that that kind of ended my search for help via the doctor, if you like. Mm. But then at the same time, when I'm when I'm in a massive, or what I would consider to be a massive depression for me, the last thing that I want to do is hear myself speak because I absolutely hate everything that comes out of my mouth. So, you know, I don't even want to consider speaking for most of that time. But I think if we, if we dig into a little bit the types of therapy that are generally available, yeah. it might help people to understand whether or to, to realise whether those things Things would work for them. Yeah, because we talked about mindfulness in the in the last episode, and so mindfulness has now been uh, incorporated into a, a form of therapy called mindfulness based cognitive therapy. And we also mentioned CBT, uh, cognitive behavioural therapy. And so if you go to see the doctor, it's most likely you're going to be recommended CBT. So what is it? Essentially, it's it's a complicated way of talking about thinking and doing. Uh, so cognitive is the thoughts and then the behavioral is the actions, the doing. So it's trying to get us to think about things in a different way and do things in a different way. So if you think in terms of self-help books, the cognitive bit is reading them and then the behavioral bit would be actually doing the exercises. So employing the tactics described. Yes. So talking about unhappiness, it's being mindful and and it's acknowledging what's going on and it's trying to recognise, do I need to talk to someone? Could that someone be my partner, my friend? Does it have to be a professional? And that's pretty much a subjective decision. Sometimes if we feel a bit down, a chat with a friend will sort us out. Yeah, so I think there's a difference, isn't there, between being a bit down and actually feeling like something is, you know, really affecting your both your behaviour and your performance and that is, is having a dramatic effect on your life. And at that point, you might think, you know, none of my friends can cope or will have the answers to these questions. I need a professional. As a coach, I get a lot of people phoning me up and writing to me and they, they're not sure whether they need coaching or whether they need counselling or therapy. And the way I approach it is I ask questions to determine the degree of personal distress. So if they're crying or they're emotional, and that's getting in the way of everything else, if they're not able to function, or or they don't get enjoyment out of the things they normally get enjoyment out of, that is a sign that we're not looking at coaching. We are looking at something more like counselling or psychotherapy. The point is, is is it causing personal distress that's getting in the way of your day-to-day life? Are you not able to function? Sure. So of the one, you know, the 1.7 people who, let's say, in the last reported year were referred to NHS talking therapies, they're, they're going to be receiving a form of CBT nine times out of ten. 
most yeah most likely it's it it has become the most uh, the po- popular form it's oversold in a way which we will come on to because it tends to work well for anxiety and depression uh, in its milder forms and it can be administered quite over a b- brief period and obviously when we're talking about short you know when we're short on resources we want something that's going to work quite quickly and the thing about CBT is it gives the client some strategies they can use and take away. And that's that's the key thing. So it's not just you go there and you're fixed. You go there and you have some strategies to manage better. Okay. And the other, because we're big on acronyms, you, you've mentioned another one, which is, is it MBCT? or M- MBCT, yeah, that's mindfulness-based cognitive therapy, which we kicked off with. But pretty much CBT is the one that you you most likely to be well most likely people ask about it now which is great in itself because if you know the brand name of something so to speak it's pretty much easier to start a conversation i want cbt it might not be that it's the appropriate one for you but a few sessions of, of cbt certainly would not never do you any harm it would just give you an alternative way now i'm aware that people are going to think well if i'm going to the doctor there's an immediate idea that maybe it's medicalizing the problem. And I think for many people, that's, that is an issue. And I read, uh, what's his name? There's a clinical psychologist, oh, Stephen Breyers. And he talks about therapy in a very, I think it's a really helpful way. And I'm, I've got a quote here from him. And it says, people come into therapy because they instinctively feel that the stories they have sought to live by are unraveling. And I love that idea is that it's nothing wrong with you. It's just the stories that you've used to get you here or the way you describe the world is not quite working anymore. Okay. Therapy then becomes a, and he's quote again, Stephen Breyers, it's to forge a new narrative and one that interprets the past and opens up more possibilities for the future. So he's put that firmly into the realm of storytelling. And that's not all arty-farty because you think about when somebody says to you every on every day, how are you? You tell them a story. You either choose to give them the short version or you give them an elaborate version in all of its detail. But but it, it is a story. You edit it. Uh, you decide what you're going to put in. You decide what you're going to leave out. You decide what you're going to emphasize. So therapy then becomes a way in which we can just change the story you might be emphasizing different things you might be seeing things in slightly different ways for me it's a really helpful way of describing therapy rather than having it a view there's something wrong with me and it's a medicalized problem that it's it's just a way that we describe the world problem sure so a few years ago everybody would have you know looked for the the pharmaceutical pharma pharmacological that one as well uh, yes (laughs) Pharmaceuticals do it for me what every time. <laughs> yes. Oh, pass the pharmaceuticals, daughter. <laughs> Everybody would have looked for the drug option because Prozac Better was a big word. thing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, now I think it's healthier because people are, you know, being given more help in in kind of looking at the root causes and and you know a solution that may not be drug based. Um, so you know I noticed that the British Association of Counselling and Psychotherapy um, has actually fifty seven thousand members. So there's a lot of help out there, really. Yeah, there are indeed, and, and that comes onto the the way of of finding help. So if you go to your GP, although that might feel like a medical route. 
The GP will be working with people who have been quite, who are qualified and accredited. So they're not going to get with the work with the people, you know, will cover you in ashes and roll you in feathers and, you mm. know, and, and chant over you at midnight. Well, no, that sounds fun. It does sound good, actually. And now I've thought we, we should start up a new <laughs> podcast. But, but this, what I'm trying to say is that the doctor, the, the, you know, the family doctor will have done some of the work and they will have someone accredited. If you don't want to go down that route, you can go privately. Therefore, you've got to do some of that work yourself. So it's mm. not a good idea. You know, for a mechanic, you do, you wouldn't just look at the first person that you find on the internet. You do some basic homework. The, the, the thing is, though, a lot of people do look at the first thing that they find on the internet. They do. That's it. I mean, the, we are in the internet age, so everybody who's on the first page is the expert. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and this is, you know, when um, I've been in the entertainment industry for a long time and in live music for a very long time, the problem that we have with secondary ticketing for live music events is mostly because people look at the first route to a ticket they find on Google or other search engines. And and that's the reason we have the problem, because people are not going to, you know, sufficiently sophisticated to find the, the, the best ticket and the best provider of that ticket. And I think a lot of people just do not know the way that the internet works is that the no, people I, who- but i think uh, what's good is um what's good now and what you've talked about going to your gp is i think in the past people might have been a little bit afraid to go to their gp their gp might just say oh pull yourself together you know mm. i'm pretty confident that doesn't happen anymore they're going to find the best route to to help you out i'm pretty sure most gps will be working with other kinds of professionals we have much more moved to that more holistic approach so going back to the idea that you know the internet is not always the best source it's helpful if you find something like a directory website so there would be like a counseling directory or a life coaching directory and what happens is that the directories have done some of the work and asked people to prove their credentials in some way Another way is to look for the main accrediting bodies. So you've already mentioned the British Association for Counselling and and, uh, Psychotherapy, BACP. And another one in the UK would be UKCP. Different countries will have different bodies. But if you look at those, they have done some of the validation. So you know these people are qualified because anybody can pretty much say they're a a therapist this is this is true because in the uk there's no uh, statutory regulation you can you can call yourself that without any training whatsoever i don't want to name the person but there's a famous hollywood actor whose mother uh, claimed to be an expert in rumpology <laughs> and what you would do for for a, for, for, a, for, a, for, a, for a rather small sum you would photocopy your rear end okay. and you would fax it to her or, you, you know, in the olden days. <laughs> and she would give you a reading based on a photocopy of your <laughs> And she charged for that as well. Of course. And I'm not aware that there is a statutory regulatory body of rump readers. <laughs> so... <laughs> the point is, is that there are some but weird... But you know, I can use that as an excuse uh, in future years, I'm sure. Sorry, I was just trying to read your rump. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there are... Well, I think we, we're skirting on thin ice here. Right. Uh, 
<laughs> so the point is, beware of practitioners who claim to be the only practitioners. You know, people yeah. you find on magazine TV shows of a morning who claim to be the only practitioners of this. And there's a reason that they're the only practitioners is because they've made it up and they're not part of an accrediting body. So that is a real a really important thing to do. If you're going to go down a private route, do your homework. Absolutely. I can't reinforce that enough. And if, if that's the only thing that you take away from this episode, it, you know, it is a very important thing to take away. Do your research. So the next thing, once you've decided, I mean, you've decided you need some help or you want to talk, is which ones do you go for? And we've already mentioned CBT, which it, it's become the panacea for all ills, a bit like mindfulness has. And if you look at research outcome studies, what you find is there's something called the equivalence paradox. And all forms of therapy perform in pretty much the same way, proper therapy. And what they have, uh, the researchers have isolated, there are some uh, uh, common factors. One is the relationship with the therapist. So if you kind of have a rapport and you feel the therapist, you know, gets you and you can talk to the person, then that accounts for about 30% of a positive outcome. There's placebo, hope and expectancy. So just the fact that you there is some hope that you there could be the light at the end of the tunnel kind of makes you see start to look maybe for the more positives. That's about 15%. Specific techniques only account for 15%. So it doesn't pretty much matter what therapy you choose. You kind of in the same way you're forming a relationship with the therapist. You're, you know, you're looking at what actually does appeal to you. The biggest factor is personal resources and life circumstances. So it's what the individual is bringing. So first of all, life circumstances that we've talked about, some things that we can't necessarily control, uh, but personal resources, how we might view things in different ways, how we might use our strengths and skills, how we might use our values. So all of those things can contribute to a positive outcome. Okay. Well, you, lost, uh, you lost the words there, aren't you? So no, I am. I wrote... I read this in your book earlier on, uh, The Psychology of Wellbeing, of course, by Dr. Gary W. Wood, a very useful book. It's a very oh, slim volume as well. You can get it through it in less than a week. It is very slim and wiped down cover. Um, yeah. so, <laughs> because, well, I, because I'm a messy eater. Yes. So the takeaway would that. be that when we're talking about unhappiness, first of all, it's being mindful and acknowledging what is going on for you and then looking for different ways to think about things and to different ways to experiment with different behaviors and different approaches to kind of get some fresh inputs. And then it's about hoping to create a different way, a different story of explaining what's going on for us. Yeah. So coming back to how we kind of started this off, uh, which is when do you know that you need help? Um, you know yourself, I think. If you think you need help, then you probably do need it. And very fortunately, there is a lot of help out there and there is no stigma attached to searching for it. If you think about, we, you know, you watch uh, Olympic events, all of those athletes would have a coach. You talk about successful business people, all of those would have had a mentor. You talk about anything that was ever created in the world ever, and a conversation would have started it. So conversations are at the heart of civilization. So why should we be above it? We're part of it. And if it takes a celebrity talking to get us talking, so be it. 
So it's to embrace it, have a talk about it. If it doesn't work for you, that's fine. But at least you've given it the opportunity and you will have thought about things in a different way. That's the key thing. Brilliant. Thank you. I think that's a really useful and helpful episode. I think it'll uh, resonate with quite a few people. We will be looking further into self-help over the next couple of episodes. So um, the self-help book and how to read it. And that doesn't mean just open the page and start reading, but how to get the best out of it and um, different practices in self-help. So those are the uh, upcoming episodes uh, heading your way shortly. Thanks again for joining us. That was and is Happiness, a Skeptic's Guide with Paul Flower and me, Gary Wood. Remember to hit the subscribe button wherever you find your podcasts so you'll be the first to know about new episodes. And if you've really enjoyed it, you can support the show at buymeacoffee.com forward slash skepticsguide. 